0: Welcome back, imposters, to another episode of the You're Not Qualified podcast. This is episode lucky number 13. When I started this, I was not sure I would make it to 13, so I'm ecstatic that we are here, and I'm so excited that you're here with me. Thank you for coming back if this is not the first episode you've listened to. I appreciate all of you so much. My name is Courtney Heater. And oh boy, do I love talking about the environment and all of the ways why we might be fucked. One life ends, another begins. I'm kidding, kind of. Because even though sometimes the pessimistic route feels safe, we, we don't need to be there, okay? There are so many ways that we can help on a small scale that increases to a large scale. And in fact, there's something we can do every week for 52 weeks. That's one year for those who just joined this planet. Our guest today wrote a book about this and has a very approachable action plan we can all take to contribute to the climate solution. Sandy is her name, and she is not a climate scientist. She isn't a scientist at all, but she is concerned and she is a citizen of the earth. And she's going after her dreams of helping the world live more sustainably. She's an amazing example of doing that thing, even if your resume doesn't look like someone else doing the same thing you are doing. Also, stick around through the episode as she answers some of your questions you submitted to me. You can follow me on Instagram at yn. Q pod, Y N is a Nancy Q pod for a chance to submit a question for an upcoming episode. It's one of my favorite things. And the guests that I have on love the engagement as well. Okay, let's go.
1: And I was hoping for some sort of tactical plan that didn't involve martyrdom.
0: Sandy Sturm. That's how you say your last name. Is that right? Sturm? Mm-hmm. That little thing is funny. I, my autocorrect of your last name, put it to Saturn so you are Sandy Saturn in my phone, oh. and for a long time I was like Sandy Saturn, and then I was like, oh no, it's Stir. <laughs> but Sandy Saturn is pretty cool too. That's cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sandy Sturm is the author of Family Survival Guide for Our Changing Climate, which offers 52 actions to take for families to combat climate change in their own homes and in their communities. She is motivated by helping people learn about climate change and wants to reduce their fears around taking action. It can be very daunting to think about all of the climate all that the climate is going through, of course, though the catch is Sandy is not a scientist, but she's just a very concerned and very knowledgeable citizen. I'm so excited that you are here. Welcome Sandy and thank you for coming on You're Not Qualified. Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you can tell behind me, we are uh, full-time RVers as well. (laughs) So that might put up a red flag for some people, but we park it for three, four months at a time. And uh, we have a very tiny car that gets good gas mileage. <laughs> so yeah. We reduced, reduced our footprint. If you can imagine our motorhome here is about 300 square feet. Oh my you know? gosh.
0: Oh, that's like a lot of apartments in Seattle.
1: So you don't buy stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have an electric car or is it just a really good gas mileage car?
1: No, we had an electric car when we started out and the range was so short that we couldn't go anywhere (laughs) so yeah uh, I have a passion for national parks and we just we couldn't even get through a national park oh crap we got a very tiny Toyota that gets 42 miles a gallon so
0: that's really good though that's very high these days they're making electric cars with a three four hundred range so maybe in the future
1: in the future but we just bought
0: this one so I don't
1: advocate getting rid of something that still works (laughs)
0: That is a really good point. If you like weigh it all out, that kind of carbon footprint doesn't make more sense just to keep the gas car rather than trash it and get an electric car. What is the worst? So what then to kick it off, according to the typical qualifications of those in your fields, makes you unqualified to be a science writer and a climate champion?
1: I don't have a degree in science, (laughs) in physical science. Basically, I'm self-taught. And uh, in writing as well. I don't have any training in writing. So everything's been self-taught and experience. And ironically, a lot of scientists are known for not being able to, they're not very good at communicating their results <laughs> in in a way that non-scientists would understand. But as a writer, I've been able to translate the data into terms that I hope the the non-scientists understand. So I'm really I'm on I'm not I don't have any degrees. I don't I haven't worked in the field of science, physical science. So, or writing degrees. I don't have any letters beyond my name. I have a masters but it's in education. So, <laughs> it's not science. So, I think that in in some people's eyes and I get you can imagine I get I get negative comments mm-hmm. just for the fact that climate change is in the title.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But these days it's, Seems they're not listening to the scientist either. You don't say. But I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a a degreed scientist or writer, so
0: yeah, that would make me non qualified, quote unquote, traditionally. But the I feel like the fact that you do have a master's in education means that you are equipped to distill complicated information into Mm -hmm. a digestible format, which you really did in this book, especially talking about. The main contributors like CO2 and methane and really how that interacts with the atmosphere. And then how everything on earth is supposed to mitigate it. It's all created to evolve, to be an amazing system that basically take care takes care of itself. But we messed it up so much that it's just not anymore. And you really explain that. I don't do a whole lot of reading on climate change, mostly because it's really daunting and it's just too much. So this was really nice, digestible way to read about it.
1: Thanks. I wanted to just keep it positive because we're all, we're inundated with all the gloom and doom and we're experiencing the gloom and doom. So yep. I, I just wanted to focus and everything that I do, I try to focus on the, the positive and, and there is a lot of positive
0: and hope. There is, and I mean, I we gotta, it yeah, it, it does help. It helps me and I'm sure it will help a lot of other people. And of course we'll have the the link in the show notes, but Sandy has the book available gonna put the link in there and there's 20 copies that are still at a discounted rate. So yeah, we're gonna absolutely talk more about the book and sell it as much as we can in this uh, conversation, but go snatch it up. It's really an amazing introduction. If you're new to it, an amazing further dive. If you're not speaking on the family survival guide, it does go through 52 approachable ways to empower families to action together. And I love that you structure it with you know, action now, you can do it with your family now, you can do it with your community now. But even in this guide that makes it so approachable, there's gonna be people that are still daunted by it. So what do you suggest for them to get started? First is to
1: understand what's happening and why things are happening, because I think you're just hearing the the results, but to know how what you do affect can affect someone over in India, for example, just understanding that and that every everything you purchase, everything you do has a carbon footprint. And I explained carbon footprint in the book that that just understanding that, what, this pen, <laughs> mm-hmm. made of plastic, different types of plastic and ink, is uh, petroleum. So in that process, just this pen, they had to go explore where to drill oil. They had to extract the oil. They had to refine the oil, transport the oil, turn it into a plastic in a format to make the pen. Then it was transported. It was Put in a box and sent off to the store to buy. Oh my gosh. By Amazon. So you got to look at every single thing that you purchase in that light. Do you really need that? I downsize to 300 square feet. So anytime I buy something, will that fit? And I'm like, no. If I buy a pair of shoes, I got to throw one out. So I think for people, just having that understanding that everything we do has a carbon footprint. And then there's simple things. Um, Don't be overwhelmed because if you make small changes, like the book suggests every week, it's not a big deal. But none of it costs a lot of money. Like we talked a while ago, don't go buy an electric car just because you want to save the carbon footprint because Mm -hmm. that car has a lot of steel. It had a lot of transportation. I did a curriculum a few years ago was the life cycle of a bicycle. And a bicycle is basically steel and plastic. So in the end the parts and energy it, it traveled the world 80,000 miles for one bicycle. Wow. So that's a lot of energy, that's a lot of extraction of all the different things that go into making a piece of steel, so you can imagine
0: a car. <laughs> And then if, even if it's an electric car, depending on where you are, that electricity needs to be created somehow. It needs to be a
1: green energy you're plugging yeah. into. Or yeah. It's, it's moot. So yeah. Unless you have solar on the roof or that your grid is a renewable energy, then yeah. So just understanding that basic concept can really make a difference. So your mindset, I think is what has to happen first Can tell you don't. Don't leave your lights on, but why? You need to know why. (laughs) So that's what we tried to do in the book is every give the reason why you're doing something. And every little bit is going to make a difference.
0: Yeah, you can't be so prescriptive with people. We all are too much of thinkers and don't tell me what to do without giving me a good reason to do it. Yeah, and these are really good reasons. It's going to save our climate. So people, yeah, (laughs) you are extremely knowledgeable about all of the, the topics that are covered in this book and even talking to you now, it's, it's really evident. So in terms of building your research base on climate change, what was your aha moment that you wanted to write a book and why didn't you put it in a different medium? And then like, how did you overcome the confidence issues when you were writing about science? Oh,
1: (laughs) yeah, I guess there were two things. I had to overcome the writing part, too. So the book, it floated around in my head for quite a while. And as educator, I like chunking things into smaller bits because I know as my focus was on adult ed, we have a short attention span. So (laughs) I wanted to make it uh, short and easy. Mm -hmm. But that book, it floated around and then it eventually turned into 52 because it fit into a year. And to get that knowledge, it's all started many years ago. Just getting that passion. I have a passion for the natural world.
0: I'm no executioner. Your compassion is a weakness your enemies will not share. That's why it's so important.
1: And one thing just led to another. But in the last since. Uh, t- 2017, I was sent an invitation to join the Climate Reality Leadership Corps training, which is uh, a program that former uh, Vice
0: President Al Gore put together, I think, 20 years ago. You probably know who Al Gore is, but just in case somebody might not remember exactly who he is, so Al Gore is the former vice president who served under President Bill Clinton, and his term was 1993 to 2001, so he was the 45th vice president of the United States. And Al Gore is known for his outstanding leadership in climate advocacy. He is very outspoken about climate change, and he has been for a very long time. He has a really cool project, the Climate Reality Project, the Climate Reality Leadership Corps, C-O-R-P-S. And it's something that if you're interested in, you can even join. It is a group of activists who are learning all about climate change. The website says your chance to learn about the climate injustice crisis shaping our world and how you can make a difference. And it now is offered virtually. Their website is updated for the virtual offering because of COVID. But they are still scheduling 2022 offerings. So if you're interested in this, definitely check the website, climaterealityproject.org. And you can join one of their training sessions. The training sessions are multiple days. They have live broadcasts, panel workshops, networking meetups. So... That is what Sandy is talking about in terms of working with Al Gore on that and learning more about climate change through that effort. And now we have 40,000 leaders around the
1: world, but getting into that connected me with the world and the science and all the other experts out there. Yeah. I have a, a, a direct connection to them that I can learn from and ask questions but I'm not sure of the exact aha moment. <laughs> and I remember, I know I was a writer. I know that being a real vocal activist is not my style. I'm not one to go out in the streets or
0: okay.
1: stand in front of the city council arguing mm-hmm. a point. So I knew that the written word is was my weapon of choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just when the pandemic hit, I sat down and, and just put this, I just started writing. Because the pandemic, of course, is caused from the climate crisis. So it just hit me. It hit me hard and motivated me. So maybe that was my aha moment or time, time frame for the book.
0: So the copyright is 2020. So you, wow. So you really did, you wrote this within the pandemic or was it in process before and you published in the pandemic? before this, I had it as a
1: weekly email series. Oh, okay. So people would sign up and get it via email. And I have that option on that link, and mm-hmm. they could get that too, if they want to have a reminder, because I know books end up on a shelf. So I still offered that as a little teaser every week.
0: Yeah, well, that's a really good idea. And that's even more digestible. This week, I'm only focusing on this one thing.
1: And bring in the kids, if you have children, they're, they know all this is happening, so give them a little hope as well, because there's a lot of depression that's starting to come out of all this Yeah, uh, with children um, of all ages, so sitting down with them and deciding what can we do around this, if it's conserving food, for example, not throwing out as much food, and that's a conversation you need to have with the whole family we're going to, we're going to eat all those vegetables in the fridge tonight. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, girl, out.
0: Yeah. I know yeah. that some families do have the, even like friends of mine that don't have kids have the night where they're like, okay, so it's like the, the garbage bin night in a way where you just get everything in the fridge that hasn't been eaten for the week. And then you cook it all. I need mm-hmm. to start doing that because I'm Too often, I've stopped buying like bags of spinach because I know they will never get eaten. It's like a good intention when you get it at the grocery store, but I'd much rather just buy a prepared salad because I will eat that at the moment. So it's Mm -hmm. those little things, but I do need to get into the habit of just doing a clean out day Mm -hmm. where all I eat is what is in the fridge, even if I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I had carrots yesterday, got to have carrots. (laughs) Look at all this fresh meat. (laughs) I say to the fridge as I stare into its mostly empty abyss, kind of. I don't need a whole lot of meat, but basically. This, I feel, is a pretty good segue into climate being in serious trouble, the pandemic, tornadoes. During snowstorms in December, I grew up in the Midwest. It's not tornado season anymore. There was just on the news, the flash mudslide. I think it was in California from the forest fires that are taking out all of the vegetation that would halt that from the beginning. And then there's just too much rain. So your book is helping us not be overwhelmed, but it's so hard, even with things like this to not be overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. lose hope. So what is the further advice that you give people for really moving forward even when we're very overwhelmed? Because it's really scary what's happening to climate right now.
1: Yes, it is. I think you need to know that there are, there's a lot happening that you're not gonna see. You don't see the good stuff on the news. There's a lot of nations taking very big steps There's a lot of of changes. I know we talked about electric vehicles, for example. So I think Amazon just bought 100,000 electric vehicles, for example. Things like that are happening. But you have to, doing something small is going to help that overwhelmed feeling, just knowing that you are doing something and that will reduce your carbon footprint. And by leading by example, others are going to see that you're doing, you don't have to preach it to people, just lead by example. And also thinking twice before you start buying, just buying things. I don't see a lot of uh, buying frenzy here where I am. Focus on what you can do to make a difference. And that's the same in anything. I think they'll teach that if, as far as depression goes, you need to focus on what you can do and what's ahead, instead of the past and what's been done. And it is scary. I'm scared, I wouldn't be smiling if I didn't know that there change, it's possible. It just takes educating everyone to know that those small changes will make a big difference. We don't all need a thousand square feet per person in our house. And People don't think that because we're bombarded with low interest rates, go buy a bigger house, get a bigger car. That's that's just the way society is. But to understand that what that impact has. I'm sitting in the middle of the four corner states that are being impacted the most besides the polar regions, Alaska and, and South Pole. But here, there was an article just this week that around Phoenix, there's houses they have no water already and they can't build a neighborhood unless they have a hundred years worth of water source and there is none (laughs) and then 80,000 people moved there last year so there's a long way to go in in uh, educating people but just yeah don't focus on what is uh, happening focus on what you can do to make a difference
0: Yeah, don't focus on things you can't control.
1: If you do what's in this book, our goal is to reduce carbon 50% by 2030. So we have eight years. You don't have to do it all today. But maybe if your car is gonna you're gonna need a new car in five years, go test drive some electrics. What's going on? They're fun to drive. If you need new appliances, make sure they the low energy use. Mm -hmm. If you need new heating or electric, having electric now is better than having gas. We were told over the years that a a gas stove is better, Mm -hmm. but that produces methane. Just over the next eight years, you can do it. Just, you don't have to do it all right now. And maybe solar and batteries aren't available to you right now, but they could be in seven years. Just know that doesn't have to happen in a week. Yeah, it's it's changing your habits over the next eight years. You'll easily reduce your carbon footprint 50%. And a lot of cities have made the commitment to go to be net zero uh, by 2050.
0: There is hope. Yeah. Do you know about how many cities have made that commitment? Is it like a pact
1: together that they're doing that? Oh, there's hundreds. Last time. Yeah, it's
0: 100% committed is Mm -hmm. what the movement is. 100% Committed is a portion or basically a subsidy project of the Climate Reality Project that we talked about just a little bit earlier. And looking at their website, which is part of the climaterealityproject.org, but if you Google 100% Committed, you could find the information as well. And it's all about catalyzing a global solution to the climate crisis by making urgent action a necessity across every sector of society. So they believe real change comes from the ground up. So they help mobilize communities uh, to take the pledge to get to that renewable energy goal. And you can visit the website and even sign up to be an advocate in your area, which is pretty fun. So if you're interested in that, definitely look
1: it up entire countries are now committing cop 26 they just had the climate meeting mm-hmm. so there's entire countries uh, making that we're still working on it <laughs> and uh, we are one of the top producers so yeah i get a lot of people in the environmental world saying the only way to make changes through policy focus on the government and the policy but i say Those people are individuals
0: that are making
1: policy. So I chose to focus on individuals
0: and family. It also gets kids involved early and it makes it fun. Like I have a, if I had a kid, I would have a board up and be like this week, we're focusing on this and make it like gamify it, make it fun. I guess I could even do that for me and my partner. Now I could gamify it for us. That would be pretty fun every week. There's so many cool things in here. One that really stuck out to me was the chapter on glass. I did not know that old glass was used to make new glass. And that was just part of the recipe. And I know a lot of people that want to recycle glass because it's not as, it's easier to reuse than plastic, but it was still difficult to buy glass or plastic for me, but knowing that if it's recycled properly and clean, and then it is used to make new glass. It makes me feel a little bit better about the glass use. So that's pretty cool.
1: And steel too, steel. And I would imagine cardboard requires recycled paper. Mm-hmm. I didn't put I don't think I put this anywhere, but I was on the board of the National Recycling Coalition for a while. Oh. <laughs> One thing led to another in my life, but <laughs> in that I visited a lot of the manufacturing uh, plants and but the biggest thing is to not buy it in the first place recycling reduce. even though I was on that board I think recycling is the very last
0: resort yep so, as so it is st- in the reduce reuse recycle it's listed last for a reason Al Gore though how is he is did you meet him because that's really cool for the climate reality leadership
1: I have. I've shook his hand three times. <laughs> oh! <laughs> he is he is so committed to this. This is all he does. And now he's into the regenerative uh, agriculture. He lives on a farm, his family farm in Tennessee, and it's totally a renewable energy. And now he's inviting people in to do regenerative agriculture to test that. That could be a whole nother talk, but... <laughs> Uh, conserving our soils Mm -hmm. you know but yeah he's doing good he's for his age he's doing very well yeah
0: he's a a vegan too so I didn't know that about him I wonder if he was when he was vice president
1: I don't know I don't know that I don't know interesting chance
0: (laughs) yeah he was also always somebody I looked up to as a kid like seeing him like yeah they were talking about this 20 years ago and I was 13 years old. So it's, I barely understood what was happening. He has such a great platform and he's using it for so much good. But it's on my list to meet him someday. So that's really cool that you've done it three times. <laughs> well, you could do that training. <laughs> I could do the training. They still, that seems like good. a lot bigger now.
1: Yeah. I don't know if they'll do it live again. Yeah. yeah.
0: You are definitely our super activists. You, doing this for a very long time, you wrote a book, you have an email series, you're on the recycling board. Other people that want to contribute in similar ways to climate change, but in their own way, and they might not know how to get started, what advice would you give them?
1: We're going to lead by example, of course. Mm -hmm. And then maybe identify groups in your town. There's there's environmental groups everywhere. Uh, Find one that resonates with you. They're all not created equal. And I did, I built a website, environmentalgroups.us, where I'm listing environmental groups in all 50 states. Oh my There's gosh. about 1,800 on there
0: right now. What don't you do, Sandy? This is amazing. <laughs> well,
1: I did, my, my work has been marketing, so it's easy to build a website. But, oh, okay, okay. But I want to get the um, nonprofit leaders working together because in my experience, they compete over dollars in ten, in your small town and they don't tend to work together. So that's just a little side mission of mine is to, to try to get them to work together on this. Identify a group that resonates with you and just start talking to them and see what are they working on in your community. A lot of communities are working on that 100% committed to renewable energy, or maybe there's something in your town that that needs to be cleaned up. A long time ago, I was in a rural town in Utah that had an old sugar beet factory that shut down. And it had these barrels of green stuff oozing out of it. That's like (laughs) something from a superhero movie.
0: One man's toxic sludge is another man's potpourri. I don't know, it's some kind of soap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't touch the ears. It
1: declared to be a, a super fun site and needed to be cleaned up. So there's things like that you could get. If you're like me and don't like to be out there in the spotlight, there's always letters to the editor or uh, writing, writing your congressman, of course. My main thing is just lead by example. Don't preach it. Don't, don't say I did this. Let people see what you're doing and have them ask.
0: Yeah. And then get inspired. People don't like
1: to be told what to do.
0: Yeah, it's the worst thing I think you could do to inspire change is telling people they have to. But you do have to come to clean up a beach cleanup. That is, if you live in Seattle or the Seattle area, come to a beach cleanup at Beach Please Clean Up on Instagram. I'm telling you what to do, but it's only this once, and otherwise I will respect your decisions. I feel like that's a big reason we're in this mess. <laughs> it's like too many people are like, I don't want to do anything, or they just. They don't want to do anything because it's daunting. There's also that. And it's just too much to handle. Yeah.
1: right. It's overwhelming. It's easier to just pass the buck and blame it on somebody else and do nothing.
0: I used to say that people will start to actually care about climate change when a polar bear ends up in their backyard. And it was like such a far-fetched idea. But now there's places in Alaska or not. Are polar bears in Alaska?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're showing up in towns. Cause they're running out of habitat mm-hmm. and they're hungry. It's like, it's happening. And I'm like, oh, okay. So in my lifetime, <laughs> it's been happening. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: We lived up there for 12 years. And then I know I went up to Barrow, which is up at the top of the state. And I was teaching some teachers and they were telling me stories that their homes, their the schools on stilts for the snow permafrost anyway they're all up on stilts <laughs> yeah and the there was a new teacher that had come in and she was telling me a story that she when she got there she had to stay in her dorm for days because a polar bear had come and come underneath where her room was
0: and oh didn't my leave
1: god and there was a saying up there if you see a polar bear that's the last thing because that we are food to a polar bear yeah we're not food necessarily to a grizzly bear yeah so yeah the sea ice wasn't coming in like it needs to come in for them to get on and and go out to sea to feed so yeah it's been happening that was probably 10 years ago
0: oh, that, that
1: shit the ice is no longer coming in all the scientists are up there studying uh-huh. because alaska the poles are like two times faster now, things are happening at two times faster at the poles because of the tilt of the earth. Yeah, we witnessed a lot up there. We witnessed a lot of glaciers melting, and I think the intro of my book here, I say I watched a house fall into the river because the glacier melting so fast. It was in the 80s. That's unheard of up there where I was. Yeah, and that's more the gloom and doom. I got a lot of gloom and doom stories, but Mm. I don't... (laughs) want to focus on us it just explains why I'm in this field Mm -hmm. because I
0: witnessed a lot and I'm empathetic I really want to reiterate what she just said just in different words here so Sandy's like I just it explains why I'm in this field because I witnessed a lot and I'm empathetic she's lived so many places she lived in Alaska she's seen climate change at its front door up near the pole, and she is qualified in the way that she's living it and we're all living it and she has subsidized that by going to climate talks and getting involved in her community and getting involved on boards and in recycling conversations and reading a lot and then understanding data and distilling data so she's very qualified and if you can pinpoint Something that you're like, I really want to try this thing, but I have no business in trying this thing because I don't have XYZ degree. Think back on this conversation and how it is so possible to do exactly what you want to do by experience and by extracurriculars and by reading a lot and practicing and finding mentors.
1: Give me a chance to wake up, sweetheart. This mentoring is very taxing stuff.
0: So remember this, okay? You can do that thing. You can do that thing. I watched a documentary on the ice melting and the name of what it is escapes me, but it's some sort of gas that is released, that's stored in pockets in the Mm -hmm. ice. And that is like catastrophic change if too much of it is released. Do you happen to know anything about that? Like super randomly?
1: That's methane, and methane has, is I don't know, 20-something times more dangerous than carbon, mm. because it breaks into more carbon. It just heats the atmosphere faster. So as that permafrost is melting, yes, it's releasing all that methane in, into the air.
0: Animal agriculture is huge mm-hmm. for it, all the farts and the burps. Oh, oh, I can burp my ABCs. A-B-C. Heavy. I saw the other day, there's a billion cows. That's a lot of gas. (laughs) That is so much gas. Yeah. And I am not vegetarian. I was for a very long time and I'm cows. Carbon footprint is greater than chickens because you need more land for them. And there's more mass per cow rather than more mass per chicken. Then I'm like, okay, so chicken's okay to eat, but there's still a carbon footprint there there. And that's a lot of the times just inhumane how they're stored and, you know, but then it's okay. So seafood, but then you have overfishing and then you have the stockpiles of fish that people are raising and then releasing to the fish populations that are wild. And that's just messing everything up. So I'm like, I don't actually think there is a good way to eat animals anymore, which is so sad because I do love fish and being in the Pacific Northwest, you get a lot of really good fish.
1: It's really hard to go a hundred percent into this at once. (laughs) So
0: yeah,
1: I just started by reducing. Nowadays, it's so
0: expensive. I think we're, we're all reducing. It's very expensive. And salmon populations here are in decline and endangered. So it's expensive to get good fish. So I have a couple of questions from some listeners that I would love to ask you.
1: Okay.
0: And the first one, I love it. But I acknowledge 100% that it's a super polarizing question because it's about children and people want to reproduce. Like it's an innate desire in a lot of us. But this listener asked, is my choice to not have children one of the best things I can do to minimize my carbon footprint? And I'm curious of your answer to that.
1: I don't feel that having a child in itself is a major issue. It's the overconsumption. If you're leading th- by example, so you're, if you're living simply and happily and teaching those values uh, to your child, that's a good thing because you don't know who that child's going to grow up to be. Yeah. That child yeah. may grow up to be Al Gore. I've gotten into the minimalist movement and learning that things don't make me happy, experiences make me happy. So there's women that feel And men, but more women (laughs) have that urge, Mm -hmm. they feel like they really want a child to love and bring into the world. So I think you can't deny that because I think that's going to bring more harm to the individual. So we just need to realize we don't all need a thousand square feet per person in the house. We need to live simply Yep. um, and teach that, you know, just live by example. Yeah, it makes
0: Mm -hmm. sense to me. And I feel like you can still make the same argument for having pets. Because pets also need to eat, oftentimes they eat animal byproducts or animals, and they take up a lot of space as well, depending on the animal. So yeah, it's like anything that you want to care for, just do it responsibly. There was one question that came in after I posted out that I would like to Crowdsource questions for this episode, and I emailed Sandy after the fact to get the answer. Thank you so much for the listener that submitted this one. So the question is, should we also be concerned about our methane footprint and build habits that reduce that in particular? In Sandy's reply, I'm just going to read it verbatim here, I focus on carbon because it is the largest component, but methane is also very dangerous. Methane is emitted during the production and transport of coal, natural gas, and oil. Methane emissions also result from livestock and other agricultural practices, land use, and by the decay of organic waste in municipal solid waste landfills. So, individuals can combat methane by doing all the things we do to reduce carbon, reduce fossil fuel use, eat less meat, and buy organic. And don't waste food that will go to a landfill. Natural gas is largely methane, so using electric appliances that are tied to a renewable resource is better. Not what we have been told all these years. Okay, let's get back to one other listener question that I asked on air with Sandy. This next question comes from a listener who really wants to get the most Out of little, what is the easiest and easiest for them means the most affordable in terms of time and money, bang for my buck to lessen my carbon footprint. So if they don't want to do 52 weeks, what can they choose? (laughs) Nobody said it was going to be easy, but at least you got us to help you out. Um,
1: That's true. (laughs) I'm doomed. There's a lot of easy ones in there. (laughs) Um, One is just closing the drapes. That's simple. You don't have to buy anything. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I play the drape game. (laughs) In your 300 square feet. (laughs) Yeah. So if the sun's shining here, I'm going to pull the blinds and try to, to keep the heat outside. And another is to unplug things that you're not using. You can't see, but I have these power strips that I plug into, and I just turn the power strip off when you're not using it because everything draws power, whether it's got a little red light or not. I don't recommend unplugging your microwave because that's a pain to get back plugged in. There's a lot that you can. And then turning off lights, all the lights in the house. I try to do natural lighting when possible. We've got all LEDs, like I said, over time, just start switching out those LEDs because that makes a big difference mm-hmm. in, your, uh, in your electric. And there, there's just, there's a lot in here that are, I, I wrote this with budget in mind and mm-hmm. time because I know people aren't going to take the time. Even your grocery shopping, make a list. It, it helps so much to have a, a list of meals that you want to prepare over three or four days and then and we talked about this earlier like today is our day I've got rice and I'm going to steam all the veggies that are left in the fridge <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> just use them up instead of throwing things out because that's 40 percent of food is wasted I don't know if that's you know. really too high from the field to your house is 40 percent is wasted with all the hungry people in the world. That's just unacceptable. Just a simple act of making a grocery list. And even may take it a step further. You could order online through an app and then go pick it up so you're not tempted when you're walking through the store. Oh yeah,
0: that's a great idea. Yep, just grabbing random stuff. Also don't go hungry. And I've heard go early in the mornings is ideal because it's for grocery shopping. It's not busy. So you're not overwhelmed and like just grabbing things to get out of there and you could take your time, but also definitely not when you're hungry. Yeah. I've made that mistake so many times, but 40%, that is so much from production to like your table. I can't believe it's almost half.
1: Because we don't like to eat the uglies. And perfect produce plug. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's those company, but Mm-hmm. i have a problem with that too. yeah shipping and all that but shipping um,
0: boxes yep
1: <laughs> so growing your own is going to be the best of course and then buying just what you need anybody can do that experiences instead of stuff yeah i love Even that experiences because um, it also shows you know who they are and you care about them so many people just run through and buy something because they feel they have to There's also farm to table restaurants. If you go out to eat, that would just choose a farm to table,
0: take a container with you. If you do go out for to go stuff. When you travel, have a water bottle, like a reusable water bottle. I always bring that to the airport now, so I don't buy the plastic bottles. Little shameless plug for episode number 11 of the You're Not Qualified podcast. You're qualified to invent your own billion-dollar outdoor brand. We talk about Hydroflask, and those are really great water bottles to take around rather than buying plastic, and it's also part of their mission. Number one on your list to do now, listen to that episode. Number two on your list to do, go buy a reusable water bottle. Number three, try not to ever buy plastic water bottles
1: never buy a plastic bottle that if you just do that
0: (laughs) so my family lives in northern Minnesota and the water quality it's very high concentrates of iron so they don't drink the tap water but the craziest thing to me whenever I visit is they also just don't use filter systems instead they just buy bottled water and Mm -hmm. it drives me crazy I'm like dad I'm just going to, I should actually just buy him a filter that goes on the faucet. That's really easy or something.
1: We do, we refill, we bought, I think seven or eight of those gallon water jugs mm-hmm. and we feel, refill it with reverse osmosis water machines. They're everywhere. It's only a quarter. So I don't know. Everywhere we've lived, we look up what's in the water. Mm-hmm. Was it a environmental working group. And they show the water reports, and everywhere we've lived has been bad. Oh (laughs) man! I mean, a thousand times the arsenic that should be in there. Oh shit! Don't drink that. Yeah. So we've we always buy we always go refill these bottles. They've lasted, or we've had them a couple years. But if I was in a house, I would just get those five gallon, you know, jugs. And From Culligan, or you have pumps you can get to mm-hmm. just pump it out instead of buying the machine or renting the machine. It's up to you. It'd be nice to have a machine too. <laughs> but yeah, it's because clean, safe water is very important and it's rare because the aquifers are all getting low, the rivers are getting low. Like you said, the runoff—it's all tied together. It's the the deforestation from wildfires are causing more runoff. It's not seeping through the filters that it used to seep through. The trees really cleanse more than just the air. Water's a big issue that I don't know that people are paying attention to, except unless you know about Flint, Michigan is a good mm-hmm. example. But that's just aging. Uh-uh infrastructure, but it's still just, I haven't drank water out of a tap in a long time.
0: So That's exclusively what I drink, but I think I'm going to do some ewg.org investigation (laughs) after this call. (laughs) I, I really just like the taste of tap water. Carbon capture too, which you talk about in the book for the trees and the soil and even whales are huge carbon stores. Plant more trees. Save the whales. Don't that's drink right. the water. <laughs> Read the book. That's it. That's what you got it. Grow your own
1: food. Yeah. Grow your own food.
0: Get back to the hippie movement. I also love the idea of thrifting. Thrifting is just fun, anyways. And I love that it's really still in style to thrift. So that's great. Buying used clothing. I feel like my carbon footprint, my biggest problem is new clothes. I really like clothes. And So I have to like be very conscious of how many I have, how I get rid of the ones that I don't want anymore, making sure they're going to a reputable place where people will reuse it Mm -hmm. and making sure I give myself a chance to go thrifting rather than just shop online. Very consciously trying to figure it out, but something that you like so much, it's really hard to give it up.
1: I know. And clothing is such a big, because you've got your child labor involved if it's reasonable to buy there's more than likely I'm talking all those where you can get it, three t-shirts for a dollar that's all manufactured that in a way that you wouldn't if you saw it you would never buy it but to be conscious of that too educating yourself on on the dyes that they use I know clothes in India the dyeing process is really uh, polluting they they're very limited water sources and just using child labor and undervalued labor to make the clothes for us. There are shops that are sustainably, if you just do a search for sustainable clothing, you'll find a lot. They cost more, but they last longer. So yeah, I'm with you. I like clothes too, but <laughs> mine are all wearing out because I don't want to buy any, but <laughs> ours is a space issue, but yeah, finding sustainable
0: and promoting that, then we can get the price to come down. Yeah. Since we're coming so close to time, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, I would love to wrap it up with what makes you qualified to be a climate activist? Experience,
1: <laughs> witness. I've seen the effects of climate change. And then I, my inquisitive nature, I have to find out. I love to read Love to do research and I'm very passionate. I think if you have a passion for something, um, you can do anything. I've always had a passion for the natural environment and it just led into what was happening to the natural environment. But maybe you have a passion for gardening. If you had a passion for gardening, you're gonna learn how to do that and make it happen even if you live in a city apartment. That's the number one thing is the passion as far as
0: making me qualified to do this work. Out of curiosity, where has been the favorite place you've lived in your camper? Oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) We
1: loved Alaska. We did get an apartment up there, a house. Uh, We were there 12 years, but we bought our first little travel trailer, which was half this size.
0: Oh my gosh, 150 square feet.
1: It was, uh, yeah, it was a 19-footer, so (laughs) it wasn't a lot of room. But we went up there, and then we would take time off and just go. We went on every road there was up there. So I think that's probably still our favorite, and we're trying to get up there this summer again. Mm -hmm. We left in 2012. It's time to go back up and
0: visit. (laughs) i yeah. say you
1: can't go wrong with that. It's just so beautiful.
0: I love Alaska so much. I've only been there once. Three years ago, I went for my birthday, a solo trip. And I just, I had the best time, like saw glaciers. There were moose in Anchorage randomly. It's, it's such a cool place. And then Denali is an amazing climbing destination. And I love mountaineering. So like seeing Talkeetna where they like set up mm-hmm. for all of their climbs. It was so damn cool up there. It's like nothing you can get in the lower 48.
1: If you go in the winter, it's quite an experience in the winter. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) To see the the locals and how the locals do it, you know.
0: Yeah. They don't have a lot of roads. So a lot of people have planes Mm -hmm. and like the the water planes. Gosh, it's such a cool place. I think that you guys should definitely go back. If you do go back, will you be there for a long time and get an apartment again? Or would it just be a shorter trip? No, just for the summer. I taught, my
1: degree was in uh, distance education with adult ed. So I started out teaching teachers out in the bush there. So I taught about every, there's 51 different districts, boroughs, and um, I taught teachers from every one of them. So the stories are amazing (laughs) of what they put up with.
0: I can't even imagine. There's a lot of, I should write all that down. Yeah, you should. That's really (laughs) cool. And then- there's lots of history there too, for that kind of travel, like the, the dog sledding for, yeah, I did the run. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Balto, of course, mm-hmm. bringing the medicine was going to Nome, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So much history up there. Gosh, I need to go back now in the winter too, but yeah. enough about Alaska. Good luck. If you go, where can people find you? We do have a link for your book and then environmentalgroups.us. Is there anywhere else that you'd like to plug? Earthfocusgroup.com
1: okay. is our, the main, the mothership, I call it. <laughs> Everything falls okay. under Earth Focus Group, and that's our Facebook is Earth Focus Group, And that's where our, I will announce things. I'm working on another book. Oh, great. Uh, I have a national park habit. <laughs> so... I'm writing on how climate change is affecting our national parks because I don't know if you remember Polychrome, it was an area within the park.
0: Within the Denali Park in Alaska is what she's talking about right here.
1: On the road, it's a very big mountain hill and went down to the water, but under that is permafrost and it's melted to the point where they had to close the road and it's gonna be closed indefinitely.
0: Oh, my God.
1: You can no longer drive, get on the bus and go into the park all the way. So that's a big effect. I guess I don't know how they would get people into those. I guess they'd have to fly the people into the lodges that are in there. But (laughs) anyway, that's that's that made my heart break just that because that was our favorite section. I'd get out off the bus and hike around in there. It's good for the animals, but
0: (laughs) they're much more. Privacy, seclusion, yeah. There's a lot of that going on in all the parks.
1: Where am I? The bit of despair. Don't even think. (coughs) Don't even think about trying to escape.
0: I really appreciate your time today, Sandy. Thank you so much for just blessing us with all of your energy and knowledge and all of these amazing action points that people can take. I hope that somebody, at least one person, dives in. Then we've, Thank you. we've done our job. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Have a good day. No, bye-bye. Bye. I sincerely hope that you are way more energized about ways you can make changes in your life rather than depressed about the state of the world that we're living in. We are quite literally all in this together, whether we want to be or not so go grab the family survival guide for our changing climate it is a quick and fun read about 52 changes we can make this year to contribute to the solution i'll link where to find sandy below go do that thing take her life lessons to heart and if you really want to make change in a certain way or if you just really want to pursue something you don't think you can i I'm telling you for probably the 1300th time, you can't do it. And you should. I believe in you. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at ynqpod. That's at yn as in Nancy, qpod. I'm on TikTok under the same handle at YNQPOD. Also, just joined Twitter. You know, I'm just moving on up in this social media world trying to get my bearings. On Twitter, I'm at YNQPodcast. I have a website, yournotqualifiedpodcast.com. And if Gmail, slow mail is your, is your preferred method of communication, I have an email address. Y-N-Q-P-O-D at gmail.com. All right, so trivia. We talk a bit about Alaska in this episode, and if you haven't been, I really can't recommend it enough. As Raina and Ashley would say, plug here. Girls gotta eat. I love you. Though if you go, maybe expect to fly around a bit as only 20%, that's two zero percent of Alaska is accessible by roads, There's a lot of water and mountains and wilderness up there to get around. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you again so much for being here, and I will see you next Thursday. Bye!